Welcome to Zichud Daf Siman Rabbi Avram Goldhai, and today we're Zechus Ksubis Dafnan Off, the fourth parak Nar Shinis Pasasa. The Zichud Mesechus Ksubis program has been generously sponsored as a schus for Hachazachas Torah. So the three types we're going to focus on. Number one, the next Mishnah states, "Okasavah Ksuba." Any case where the Chassan did not write a Ksuba, Basul Govim Asayim, but Amana Amana Mifnei Shuv Tanai Basin. A Basul collects two hundred, and Amana Amana because it's a Tanai Basin. If he wrote that he's giving her a field worth a mana, 100 zuz, in lieu of the 200 zuz, and he did not write for her all properties that I own are pledged for your full ksuba, he's still chayv 200 zuz, for it's a tanai basin. Rashi explains that all his fields are guaranteed for the full ksuba amount, and he cannot say to her that she may only take from the field written in the ksuba. The Gemara will seek to determine who the Tana of this Mishnah is. Point number two, the father of Shmuel said, If a wife of a Yisrael was violated, she is forbidden to her husband. For we're concerned that the beginning of the relations was coerced, but its end was done willingly. Rav challenged him from a mission that taught that one of the Tanaik Suba is that if the wife is captured, he must pay her ransom and she'll be returned to her husband. This implies that we're not concerned that the end was done willingly. Shmuel's father was silent, to which Rav recited the following Pasuk, Sarim Atzubamilim Ministers would withhold their words and place their hand to their mouth, implying that Shmuel's father could have responded. If he had, he could have answered, They ruled leniently with a captive woman. The more clarifies that according to Shmuel's father, a woman would only be permitted to return to her husband if witnesses testified that she screamed the entire time. Rav said, In any case, where the beginning of relations was coerced, but its end was done willingly, even if she says, leave him alone, for if the violator had not been with her, she would hire him out to do so, she's permitted to her husband. What's the reason? Because at the beginning of the act which was coerced, Yetzir Abisha, the violator, clothed her with uncontrollable desire. And point three, was taught in the brace, Captives of the monarchy, which Rashi explains are women taken to be concubines, are like ordinary captive women and may return to their husbands. But women captured by bandits are not like ordinary captives and become forbidden to their husbands. The Gemara says that another Bryce is taught the opposite and then seeks to reconcile them. The first Bryce was referring to Amalchus like Achashverosh, where the women know that they will not become his wife and therefore they act under duress. The other Malchus like Benetzer, who Rashi explains captured several cities and ruled over them like a king. Here the captive woman might think she'll marry the ruler and act willingly, thereby becoming prohibited to her husband. In terms of the bandits, the first Brisa is referring to one like Benetzer, whom she might hope to marry, whereas the second Brisa is referring to ordinary bandits that a woman would not want to marry and must be coerced. With regard to Benetzer being referred to as a king and a bandit, the Gemara explains that he was a bandit in relationship to a king like Hachashverosh, but a king in relation to the other bandits. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah states, In a case where the Chassan did not write a Ksuba, Basul Govim Asayim Ba'amana Amana Mifnei Shu Tanai Basin. A Basul collects 200 and an Amana Amana because it's a Tanai Basin. Kasuba Sad the Shav Amana Tachim Asayim Zuz. Kasuba Kon the Chassan de Eisin Achrayin Ksuba Sikh Chayv Shu Tanai Basin. If he wrote that he's giving her a field worth Amana, 100 Zuz, in lieu of the 200 Zuz, and he did not write for her all properties that I own, are pledged for your folk suba, he's still chayv to an azuz, for it's a tanai basin. Rashi explains that all his fields are guaranteed for the folk suba amount, and he cannot say to her that she may only take from the field written in the ksuba. The Gemara will seek to determine who the tana of this Mishnah is. Point number two, the father of Shmuel said, Yisrael Asur If a wife of a Yisrael was violated, she is forbidden to her husband. 
Chayshin and Shemet Chiras Ba'ones Vasofa Baratzon. For we're concerned that the beginning of the relations was coerced, but its end was done willingly. Rav challenged him from a mission that taught that one of the Tanaik Suba is that if the wife is captured, he must pay her ransom and she'll be returned to her husband. This implies that we're not concerned that the end was done willingly. Shmuel's father was silent, to which Rav recited the following Pasuk, Sarim Atzubamilim Ministers would withhold their words and place their hand to their mouth, implying that Shmuel's father could have responded. If he had, he could have answered, They ruled leniently with a captive woman. The more clarifies that according to Shmuel's father, a woman would only be permitted to return to her husband if witnesses testified that she screamed the entire time. Rav said, In any case, where the beginning of relations was coerced, but its end was done willingly, even if she says, leave him alone, for if the violator had not been with her, she would hire him out to do so, she's permitted to her husband. What's the reason? Because at the beginning of the act which was coerced, Yetzir Abisha, the violator, clothed her with uncontrollable desire. And point three was taught in the brace, Shvuyin Malchus Harin Kishvuyin, Genuve Listos Enum Kishvuyin. Captives of the monarchy, which Rashi explains are women taken to be concubines, are like ordinary captive women and may return to their husbands. But women captured by bandits are not like ordinary captives and become forbidden to their husbands. The Gemara says that another bride is taught the opposite and then seeks to reconcile them. The first bride was referring to Amalkas like Achashverosh, where the women know that they will not become his wife and therefore they act under duress. The other Malkas like Benetzer, who Rashi explains captured several cities and ruled over them like a king. Here, the captive woman might think she'll marry the ruler and act willingly, thereby becoming prohibited to her husband. In terms of the bandits, the first Brisa is referring to one like Benetzer, whom she might hope to marry, whereas the second Brisa is referring to ordinary bandits that a woman would not want to marry and must be coerced. With regard to Benetzer being referred to as a king and a bandit, the Gemara explains that he was a bandit in relationship to a king like Achishverosh, but a king in relation to the other bandits. All right, so now we go to our simmer daf nun alf, and our standard simmer is beavers, because beavers gnaw, nun alf, they gnaw. So therefore, we use beavers, and we often use beaver pelt hats in the simmer. So here goes. The beaver pelt hat salesman, who didn't write exuba for his wife, but still owed her 200 zuz, built a big dam to block men from violating her, so she would not come to act willingly but didn't anticipate Ben Beaver, the king of the beaver belt community, capturing her, whom she might hope to marry. Once again, it's emotion. The beaver pelt hat salesman, beaver pelts, that must be more a duff. No, no, no. The beaver pelt hat salesman, who didn't write exuba for his wife, but still owed her 200 zuz, which reminds us, the next mission states, that in the case where the chasen didn't write exuba, a basul collects 200 and an almana amana, because that's a tanai, a basin. So, the beaver pelt hat salesman, who didn't write exuba for his wife, but still owed 200 zuz, built a big dam to block men from violating her, so she would not come to act willingly. Which reminds us, it's a malchokas if a wife of a Yisrael is violated, whether she becomes forbidden to her husband. Avuya the Shmuel, Shmuel's father says that since the end of the act could have been done by Ratzon, willingly, she's forbidden. And Rava says that even if the end of the act was done by Ratzon, we would say that the Yetzer overcame her. So the beaver pelt hat salesman, who didn't write exuba for his wife, but still owed 200 zuz, built a big dam to block men from violating her, so she would not come to act willingly, but didn't anticipate Ben Beaver, the king of the beaver belt community, capturing her, whom she might hope 
to marry. Which reminds us, it was time to brace the Shvuyin Machas Hayin Kashvuyin, Gunavelistos Enen Kashvuyin. Captives of the monarchy, which Rosh explains are women taken to be concubines, are like ordinary captive women and may return to their husbands. But women captured by bandits are not like ordinary captives and become forbidden to their husbands. The Gemara says that another Brisa taught the opposite and then seeks to reconcile them. The first Brisa is referring to a Machas like Hachashverosh, where the women know that they will not become his wife and therefore they act under duress. The other Malchus is like Ben Netz, who Rush explains captured several cities and ruled over them like a king. Here the captive woman might think she'll marry the ruler and act willingly, thereby becoming prohibited to her husband. So once again, the beaver-pelt hat salesman, who didn't write a ksuba for his wife, but still owed her 200 zuz, built a big dam to block men from violating her so she would not come to act willingly but didn't anticipate Ben Beaver, the king of the beaver pelt community, capturing her, whom she might hope to marry. All right, now it's time for Four Blah Daf Mem Zayn, so the simmer Daf Mem Zayn is a maze. So here goes. The corn maze property the daughter inherited, that her father had no rights to, was acquired by her chasm with her parents, Xus and Kalim, when she unexpectedly passed away after Arison, after getting lost in the maze, just as the rub was preparing the ksuba and was writing the words, Shere Xusa Vaonasa. Once again, it's a motion. The corn maze property maze, that must be more on Duff, Mem Zion. The corn maze property the daughter inherited, that her father had no rights to, which reminds us, we have a malchokus if a father can consume the produce from his daughter's properties. So, the corn maze property the daughter inherited, that her father had no rights to, was acquired by her chassan with her parents, Xus and Kalim, when she unexpectedly passed away after Arison, when she got lost in the maze, which reminds us, we have Malchokas, whether her has the rights to Paris, Xus and Kalim if the Kala dies before Nesuin, and the Gemara compares this Malchokas with Malchokas, whether Kala gets the Tosefus Ksuba when the chassan dies after Arison. So the corn maze property the daughter inherited, that her father had no rights to, was acquired by her chassan with her Paris Xus and Kalim when she unexpectedly passed away after Arison when she got lost in the maze, just as the rub was preparing the Ksuba and was writing the words Shera Xusa Vaonasa, which reminds us we have different opinions regarding the meaning of the terms Shera Xusa Vaonasa. Daf Memches, so the similar Daf Memches is Brainiac. So here goes. The Brainiacs, Brainiacs, that must be on Daf Memches. The brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible. Which reminds us, we have Malchokas if a husband is required to provide flutes and a lamenter at his wife's burial. The Gemara says that the Malchokas is in a case where it's the husband's custom to have the flute and a lamenter at a woman's funeral, but it's not her family's custom. The Tanakhama holds, when we say that a woman rises to her husband's status but does not descend to it, this applies in her life, but not after her death. Rebuto holds, this principle applies even after her death. So, the brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible that the woman's father went insane, requiring Basin to organize support for his wife and children from his property. Which reminds me of what has said in the name of Arukva, one who went insane, Basin goes down to his property and supports and maintains his wife and his sons and daughters because we assume the father who went crazy would have wanted to support his children. This is different than a father who travels overseas. Since he could have arranged support for his children before departing, but did not, it indicates that he does not want to support them in his absence. Nonetheless, he must support his wife because that's one of the Talai Kasuba. So the brainiacs who got hired to play the flute and to do the lamenting at a wife's burial were so horrible that the woman's father went insane, requiring Basin to organize support for his wife and children from his property. And her sister died from shock right after she had been handed over to the husband's shluchim, enabling her husband to retain her dowry. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states, Masa Once the father has handed his daughter 
over to the husband's agents, she is in her husband's rishus. There's a malchus regarding what it means that she's in his rishus, and the Bryce refutes every opinion except for Shmuel's, who says it's regarding her Yerusha, that the delivery is only effective for her inheritance. If she dies on the way, her husband retains the dowry. Daf Memtes, so the similar Daf Memtes is a butcher because it relates to meat. So here goes. The butcher's daughter butcher, that must mean we're on Daf Memtes, meat. The butcher's daughter, who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was traveling with the shluchim, which reminds us, we learned that a call given over to the husband's shluchim, if she returns to her father's house before reaching her husband, she does not revert to original state of being in her shirts. We learned this from the Pasuk, Neder Alman or Grusha Kosher Aswal Nafsha But the Neder of an Alman or Grusha, anything she prohibited upon herself, shall be binding upon her. Now, what's this coming to teach? As it's obvious that once a woman is an Alman or divorced, that her Nadarim are her own. Rather, it's to teach that if the girl was handed over to the Shulchei Abal and she was widowed or divorced, while on the way, once a daughter leaves the father's shush for any length of time, he can no longer annul her vows. So, the butcher's daughter, who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was traveling with the Shluchim, was resentful to her father, who only fed her growing up, because it was a mitzvah, which reminds us the next mission states, A father is not chayv to provide for his daughter's sustenance while he's still alive. The Gemara says that this implies that he is chayv in his son's sustenance, and even with regard to his daughter, there's no chayv, but it is a mitzvah to provide for her. The Gemara asks who the ton of the Mishnah is given that it seemingly cannot be any of the three to nine mentioned in a brisa. So the butcher's daughter, who arrived back at her father's shop when her husband died while she was traveling with his shluchim, was resentful to her father, who only fed her growing up because it was a mitzvah. And that was only after Basin shamed him when she was a minor, calling him worse than a raven. Which reminds us, the rabbin only shame fathers who do not want to support the young children. They do not compel them to support them. Rav Chista would have someone announce on a turned-over mortar that such a father was worse than a raven who wants its young, and this man does not want its young. The more clarifies that the announcer is referring to black ravens, for when the ravens are young and white, the parents do not feed them, and they must turn to Hashem. Daf Nun, so the simmer Daf Nun, is a nincompoop. So here goes. The moneyless nincompoop. Nincompoop? That must mean we're in Daf Nun. The moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his tenth tithe, which reminds us, Rabbi Ilah said, In Usha, the Chamim enacted, the one who gives generously to a tzedakah should not give more generously than a fifth. Rashi explains that he should not give more than a fifth so that he should not come himself to need others. The Pasuk states that Yaakov Avinu said, And all that you will give me tithe, and I shall tithe it to you. Rashi explains that the two mentions of tithes implies one-fifth. So, the moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his tenth tithe, tried to hire a five-year-old weak but learned child to explain it to him, which reminds us we have a question whether teaching Torah to a child less than six years old will weaken him and be harmful to his health, or it will develop him and put him ahead of his peers. So the moneyless nincompoop who couldn't figure out why his first tithe didn't equal his second tithe, nor his tenth tithe, tried to hire a five-year-old weak but learned child to explain it to him. But he was busy telling his older sister that just as he collects ksubas benin dechrin only from land, so too she is sustained from their father's property, which is land. Which reminds us, Rabbi Hamnuna said, just as sons inherit only from real property, referring to karka, so too the daughters are only sustained from real property. The Gemara clarifies that he was referring to the sons inheriting the ksubas benin dechrin. All right, so now it's time to conclude with our ten-question pop quiz. Number one. 
which Duff people question whether one's child should start to learn Torah before the age of six? That's on Duff. None. Good. Number two. Which Duff people are captives of the Melech are like Shvuim and permitted to their husbands, but captives of bandits are not? That's on Duff. None off. Good. Number three. What stuff do you that once a daughter is given over to her chasen shluchim, if she returns home before reaching her chasen, she does not revert to her father's rishus? That's on daf. Memtas. Good. Number four. What stuff do you that one should not give more than one-fifth to meiser? That's on daf. None. Good. Number five. Which stuff do is whether Yisrael's wife who was violated becomes forbidden to her husband out of concern that the end of the act was Baratzon, that's on Duff. No, no. Good number six. Which stuff do we have different sheets regarding one's responsibility to feed his daughter? That's on Duff. Memtas. Good number seven. Which stuff do we have different opinions regarding the meaning of the words Sherek Susavonasa? That's on Duff. Memzine. Good number eight. Which of you in the Rabban would shame fathers who did not support their young children? That's on Duff. Memtas. Good number nine. Which of you in that even if one does not write Aksuba for his wife, she still collects Aksuba since it's a tonight based in? That's on Duff. Nanoff. Good. And number ten. Which of you in that Jess's sons inherit the Aksubas beneath the Kreen from land? Daughters are sustained from land. That's on Duff. None. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ram Goldham Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.